Blaine, thanks so much for agreeing to come um, today as we are in this series called How to Get Through What You're Going Through. I really appreciate your willingness to share um, today. So I'm just going to ask you, um, can you just, just tell us what is it that you're going through at this time? Well, about four years ago, my wife was diagnosed with uh, stage four breast cancer. So I cried and I cried probably a good whole day or two uh, in front of Sandy and, and she just would look at me like, you know, she thought that, wow, that's, it, it's strange to see you cry and, and not that I haven't cried before, but I just was having a really hard time trying to accept it. And but she seemed to be so strong. Why do you think that she came to terms with it um, faster than you did? What What would you speculate? Why would you? Why do you think that was? She She was such a huge believer. Okay. Is what it was. She She knew that. God did everything for a reason and that God was on her side and, and that wow. he had plans for her. Um, mm -hmm. I did know that I was very upset yeah. with God and everybody around me. I was, uh, um, yeah, I didn't know if I wanted to take that journey yeah. uh, of with God to try to get through this because it's, it was just so hard to accept the fact that my wife was dying. Absolutely. Um, so talk to us about after Christmas. I mean, Sandy had made it through Christmas. This was a, this was a real blessing for the family to have been able to have spent Christmas with her. So talk about now post Christmas and what was happening. So we made it through Christmas day and, and, uh, I could tell every day and that she was getting worse and it was actually not even down to days, it was down to hours and, mm -hmm. and uh, where she had her moments that uh, it just, my wife was dying yeah. and or fading away. Um, and so now as we're on the other side of that journey, you're now deep in that journey of grief and loss. So tell me, how are you getting through what you're going through now? Well, it's a, it's a struggle every day. <laughs> but I know I'm going to make it. And the reason why I know I'm going to make it is because I have turned to God and started a second journey of my life now. And he's there with me, I know he is. And I know he's given me the strength to work through this. Um, how has having a family of faith made a difference through this time? Has it made a difference for you? Yeah, if it uh, wasn't for my church family, my close friends and, and, and Sandy's family, uh, Wow. Um, and God. Mm. I'd be so alone. What, you know, what would you say would be your biggest struggles now as you go day to day? 
My biggest struggles right now is is that there's a, a huge void in my life. Okay. Okay. Um, I feel lost. But I keep turning to God and talking to him and, and praying to him. And, and he seems to always kind of put me back on track. Now, you mentioned um, before we began this interview that there's a particular passage in scripture that's been speaking to you. When I start questioning my faith and questioning myself, mm -hmm. and, and, and it's uh, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I, I have everything I need. He leads he lets me rest in green pastures. He leads me to calm water. He gives me new strength. He leads me on paths that are right for, for the good of his name. Even if I walk through a very dark valley, which there's many of them, I will not be afraid because I know that you are with me. Your rod and your shepherd's staff comfort me. Well, let me say hello to the Brentwood campus as we come to the close of this series called How to Get Through What You're Going Through. And as we come to this final message, I just want to share with everybody who's watching this uh, via at the campus or on YouTube or here live at our service that um, as we come to this big idea about how do you get through what you're going through? How do you get through suffering? There's a hard truth to what it means to have faith in God. And here's the hard truth. God uses pain to fulfill his purposes in our life. God uses pain to fulfill his purposes in our life. Do you believe that? Um, you know, in this final message... I want us to think about how God wants to use whatever pain you're going through right now. For some of you, it's emotional. For some of you, it's physical. Others, it's financial. For others of you, it's relational. For others of you, it's spiritual. And what we have to be able to discover as we come to the close of this series is how God wants to use whatever kind of pain you're going through to move you towards his purposes for your life. And most importantly, and this is tied to the title of the final message, he doesn't want you or I to waste our pain. You know, here's an important question, and I'm not going to ask you to answer it publicly. Just think about it in your heart and in your mind. How, have you grown from the pain that you've experienced in your life? If you're a teenager here tonight and the pain you're going through as a teenager, have you grown from it? If you're a young adult, have you grown from it? If you're a middle-aged adult, if you're a man and a woman, it doesn't matter what gender, have you grown from your pain or have you wasted it? Are you further down the road to where God wants you to be because of your pain? Or have you just allowed pain to get you stuck, to get you angry? And if you're honest, you say, you know what? Ever since that pain, I have drifted away from God. Oh, I'm going through the motions I might even be showing up at church still just to keep the family happy, but I am not closer to God now. Now, in this final message about don't waste your pain, we want again look at another story from the Old Testament. We've been looking at different stories from the Old Testament and helping to look at that story and say, what does it teach us to how to get through what we're going through? So we looked at Naomi and Ruth. We've looked at uh, Jacob and Esau. 
And, um, well, and tonight we're going to be looking at the Old Testament story of Joseph. Now, Joseph is a very big story in the Old Testament. Um, his story starts in Genesis chapter 37 and runs its way all the way to Genesis 50, right to the end of the first book of the Bible in the Old Testament. So we're not going to sit here and say we're going to read uh, Genesis 37 to 50. We're not going to do that. Um, we want to just get right to it and sort of just really touch the, the big points. But I want to encourage you. It's a great story to read. It's a great drama of, of how uh, God used Joseph and used pain in Joseph's life uh, to mold his character and to change the world. Um, now, I'm just curious. Who knows? Who's read the story of Joseph? Um, if you, and if you're watching this on Brentwood, raise your hand. Okay, so we got some people who've read the story of Joseph and other people are going, nah, I'm not really sure about the story of Joseph. Really not sure about that one. Okay, well, let's, um, let's move through that story. But also, let's move through it in the sense of asking ourselves, what do we do with our pain? And how does that change us? Well, here's the first big idea I want us to look at. Um, in my pain, in your pain, in my pain, we need to make a choice. We must move closer to God. We have to move closer to God. Now, when anything bad happens in your life, you have to understand that you and I have a choice. You can either run to God or you can run away from God. Now, we by nature instinctively turn to God often at times in times of pain. Whenever there's a massive tragedy, a bomb explodes, there's a fire, there's a flood, there's a terrorist attack, people go, oh, God, where are you? And they, and they cry out. Um, I think it's somewhat even instinctual. Maybe it's a spiritual instinct for us to cry out when we have something traumatic happen to us and we want to turn to God. But the more I live life, I also see, though, that often in those dramatic moments or traumatic moments, a lot of people shut down and turn away from God. So you have to remember that there's a choice here, that in our pain, we can choose either to move closer to God or move further away. What is your choice going to be when pain comes your way? Well, like I said, Joseph is a great example of choosing to move closer to God. And we have a word here for Joseph is that the way we knew that he was moving closer to God was through his dreams and through the dreams he was able to interpret. Now, back then, there wasn't a Bible that he could walk around and say, okay, here's the Bible. That didn't exist at that time. But God spoke in ancient days past through dreams. And uh, Joseph, um, who walked closely with God, God started to speak into Joseph's life actually at the age of 17. Do we have any 17-year-olds here? Anyone 17? I thought there might be. No, no, I don't. Oh, Brittany, 17. Oh, and oh, a couple 17. Oh, good. Yes, we have 17. Now, here's the thing. In Genesis 37, uh, uh, we, ha we have some people who are, there's another sermon for you guys, okay? There's another sermon for you guys. Um, but at 17, Joseph had a dream that showed him that God was going to use him in a powerful way, that his family actually would have to submit to his, his leadership and that he would rule over them. 
And, and now be, imagine being a 17-year-old where you've got a dream like this and you go share it with your family that they're going to have to submit to you. The whole family, mother, father, all the brothers and sisters. Well, the, his family didn't really take it well. But, but Joseph, nonetheless, was being already at that young age, being promised by God that God was going to work through him and that God was going to be with him. And, and that went on, though, um, for the rest of Joseph's life. And one thing I really want you to understand, when you think about the dreams that Joseph both had and the dreams that Joseph was able to interpret, it was Joseph really showing that he was open to God guiding him, God speaking through his life, um, and that he was open to God's will and God's way. Now, one example in Joseph's life that really shows this is that when Joseph had been thrown into prison, and the reason why he'd been thrown into prison because he had been falsely accused of fooling around with the wife of the captain of Pharaoh's guard. Uh, and so here he is, he's in prison, and there's this cupbearer who basically tasted the wine for the Pharaoh. He was in prison at the time. We really were not told why. And also the chief baker was in prison. And they both had dreams. And they came up to Joseph, and Joseph said, well, I can interpret dreams. God, God gives the interpretation. Um, let me tell me your dreams. Anyway, the baker shared his dream. The cupbearer shared his dream. And to make a long story short, basically Joseph said to the baker, well, you better enjoy the last few days of your life because you're going to be executed. But he said to the cupbearer, guess what? It means you're going to be restored to Pharaoh's court. And, and of course, it all came true. And then uh, as the cupbearer went back to the Pharaoh's court, and of course the, the baker was now done, um, the cupbearer uh, forgot, just basically forgot about Joseph. Joseph said, please remember me. And the cupbearer said, well, okay, adios, I'm back in my place. Life's good. And Joseph who? But a couple years later, now think about this. A couple years later, the Pharaoh has a dream. And it's, a, it's, a, it's such an intense dream. And Pharaoh says, who can interpret this dream? And then all of a sudden the cupbearer says, well, there was this guy in the prison with me um, that interpret my dream. Maybe we'll come and get him to interpret your dream. And of course, that was the dream about the seven years of plenty and then the seven years of famine that would go sweep over the land of Egypt, that, that nation. And again, um, Joseph was able to interpret that dream and save a nation because of it. But I want you to understand that Joseph was able to, to speak to these dreams because he was still open to God's presence. That despite the setbacks, the betrayals, the time in prison, the slavery that he was subjected to, rather than that and saying, I'm, I'm closing myself off to the presence of God, he kept himself open to the presence of God. Despite his pain, he made that choice. In fact, I like how Pharaoh saw how close Joseph really was to God. In, in, in um, Genesis 41, this is what we read. Pharaoh says to his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? It was obvious to someone who did not even know God that this person walked close to God. Despite his pain, he was open to God guiding him. So let me just simply ask this. What's your, what's your next step? What are you going to do? Are you going to turn closer to God in the midst of your pain? Or are you going to turn further away? I think of Paul's words 
in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9, he, he, he writes this. He says, now I'm glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. I can't help but think how some people have come close to God because of pain. People have come to Christ out of pain. Maybe you did. Maybe there was a divorce, a death, a disaster, a distraction, a difficulty, a disappointment. And what God says through his word, he shows us through his word, is the one things I can use this in your life is I can use this pain in your life to draw you closer to me. Now, the neat thing is that when we understand this is the first big step when we have to deal with pain in life, will I draw closer to God or will I turn away from him? But when I make the choice to draw closer to God, something happens inside of me. And what I become in my pain is this. In my pain, I become more like Jesus. As I move closer to God, I become more like Christ. You know, I can always use pain to, um, to become more like Jesus. In other words, pain is always an opportunity to grow in character. Now, remember what we said, if you want to understand the character of Jesus, what's a great verse in the Bible that reminds us of this? It's in Galatians chapter five, where we talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is the very presence of Jesus in our life. And what is the fruit of the Holy Spirit? There's nine qualities mentioned. Do you know any of them? It's love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, kindness, and self-control. There we go. We got the kindness in there. Someone was saying it somewhat kindly. Um, now, now, here's the thing. Think about these qualities of Jesus in our life. How do you learn them? You learn them in the midst of pain. You learn to love in unlovely situations. You learn joy in grief. You learn peace in chaos. You learn patience having to wait. You learn these things in the exact opposite situations. So here again, in my pain, I can become more like Jesus. That's the opportunity for me. Again, though, it's a choice. Because let's be honest, some people, pain makes them bitter. Some people let pain, though, make them better. Some people let pain be a stepping stone to progress. Others let pain be a stumbling block to failure. It's a choice. It's a choice. What are you going to do in your pain? You know, Proverbs 20, 30 says, sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. I'm absolutely convinced of that. I know as parents, um, I know that I'm at a stage now where with my young adult children, some of the lessons they're going to have to learn now are going to be through the painful experience. And then they're going to say, wow, maybe mom was right. And dad too. Um, you know, Joseph's story, though, think about this. He had pain. And I think his deepest pain was that he was betrayed by his 10 brothers. Remember, his brothers weren't impressed with his dream. His brothers weren't impressed with his father giving him a coat of many colors. His, his brothers were not impressed that he was the favorite of the family. And we won't talk about that, right? Favoritism in a family is deadly. And it was deadly for Joseph. And so, of course, they sold him into slavery and sent him off to Egypt and lied to his father and saying, oh, he was killed by some wild animals. And of course, little did they know that Joseph 
who belonged to a shepherd family would go from a shepherd family to being a slave, from being a slave to being in prison, and then eventually by God's presence and God's grace with him, he would find himself being second overall in Egypt, the one of the most powerful rulers at the time. And during, while he was ruling, of course, the famine came. He organized all the, he had organized all the grains and the foods to be saved. He was the one overseeing the distribution of the food. And guess that famine affected. That famine affected his own family, his 10 brothers and his father and his younger brother, Benjamin. And they had to find the food. And so they came to Egypt and eventually the brothers were standing before Joseph, not knowing this was the brother they had betrayed, not knowing this was the brother who had, they had lied about to their father and begging for food. Now here's the thing. What was Joseph going to do? Have you been betrayed? Have you been misunderstood? Have you been hurt? Have you been let down? What did Joseph do? Well, we know the story. He forgave. He became more like Jesus at that very moment. So what's your next step? How are, how are you going to um, show Jesus in your life? And remember again, it's through suffering that we can become like Jesus. You know, is your next step forgiveness? Is your next step reconciliation? Is your next step trusting God more? Is your next step actually obedience? Is your next step simply to love? What's your next step to become more like Jesus in the midst of your pain? So that's the first big step. The first big step is, is um, in my pain, I must move closer to God. And when I do, I become more like Jesus. But now here's my second big step. And it's already up there on the screen is that I must, in my pain, move closer to others. Um, in my pain, I have to move closer to others. When you're in pain, do you feel like getting closer to others? What do we want to do? Hide. Leave me alone. Stay away from me. You know, a lot of people, when they come to church for the first time, I always tell they're in pain because their whole posture is like this. Stay away from me. They're prickly. You know, they, they sit in the very corner so they can get out fast. They usually leave during the last song. They come late at the first of the service so they don't have to interact with anyone. They don't want to talk. Leave me alone. I'm in pain. And that's a natural reaction. And yet sometimes in, as we walk with God, I believe that he calls us to not do what comes naturally. We have to do something that's Christ-like. See, in our pain, I must move closer to others. See, if you allow it, pain will deepen your love. Your love for other people, it will mature your love. I don't know what it is, but I have found that through my life, as I've gone through my times of suffering, it sensitizes you, it deepens you, it transforms you. Do you know what the deepest level of connection is in the body of Christ? There, there's connection when we worship together and sing. There's connection when we sit around and eat food together and encourage one another. There's connection when we learn together from God's word. But can I tell you the deepest connection? It's called the fellowship of suffering. That's the deepest connection of all. Um, you know, the only way you get to the fellowship of suffering is by being willing to be vulnerable. 
Have you ever shared your pain with anyone in the life of this church? Does anyone know your story? We know Blaine's story. Do you feel more connected to Blaine now? That's not a rhetorical question. Do you feel more connected to Blaine now? Yeah. Because he got vulnerable and shared his story. You see, if we're going to be vulnerable, though, it means we have to take the risk of being willing to share what we feel. And can I speak on that just for a quick moment? When you're going through pain, your feelings go up and down all over the place and sideways. You think strange and weird thoughts and you have all kinds of emotions. Can we make a decision right now about sharing our feelings with one another, whether you do it in your marriage, whether you do it in your family, you do it with your kids, you do it with your spouses, you do it with, with in any of your relationships, even within the church family? Can we make a decision right now that no emotion is a bad emotion? There are no wrong feelings. Hear me clearly. Feeling is not are not right or wrong. Feelings are just feelings. But feelings, though, do need to be expressed. This is what I'm feeling. You know, Galatians 6.2 says this, by helping each other with your troubles, you truly obey the law of Christ. Do you know what the law of Christ is? Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's the law of Christ. And we know when I think about the story of Joseph, in the midst of Joseph's suffering, Joseph loved others. He really did. He even loved those who he didn't even want to know, but he got to know and he loved them. Here he was. He was a slave, sold into slavery to a guy called Potiphar. He was the captain of the palace guard of Pharaoh. And guess what? He loved that palace guard and his household, so much so that, the, that, that this Potiphar let Joseph take over his household, run everything. Joseph showed his love by giving good, solid, caring work. You know, I even think he loved Potiphar and his household when his wife tried to make the moves on him. And even though he was accused of actually attempting to rape his wife, guess what? He ran away. He was actually trying to protect Potiphar's wife, saying, you don't want to do this. You don't want to destroy your household. See, Joseph was a friend. He was a friend when he was in prison to the prison warden. He actually, the prison warden said, look, Joseph, I'm going to let you take care of all the other prisoners. No matter where Joseph went, Joseph showed his love to others. He didn't say, I'm in pain. I'm far away from home. I've been betrayed. He said, no, God, what do you want me to do right now to help others? And he did it all through his life. So in our pain, we must make that choice to move closer to others. But here's the thing. When that happens in my pain, if I make that choice, guess what I become? I become a compassionate helper. I love what Paul says about this. This is so important. Listen to this, this, these couple of verses. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 to 6, listen to what he says. God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. You know, this is common sense. Let me, let me suggest this to you. Who better can help a senior who's feeling alone than another senior who's gone through those struggles? Who better can help parents of a special needs child than somebody, you're with me, right? That has a special needs child. Who better can help someone struggling with a chronic illness than somebody who is struggling with a chronic illness? How about this one? 
who better can help someone who's been molested than someone who has been molested? Who better can help a parent with a a prodigal son or daughter who says, I don't care about God anymore than a parent who has had a child who says, I don't care about God anymore. Who better can help someone who's battling with depression, even though they come into church or all go off to work or still show up in the neighborhood and smile, but they're deeply depressed than someone who has struggled with depression. You see, in my pain, as I move closer to others, God gives me the opportunity to become a compassionate helper. So let me simply ask you, what's your next step? Because when I think about Joseph in his pain, guess how he helped? He helped save his family from starvation. He helped save a nation, Egypt, from from being terminated. And in fact, when you think about it, remember, out of out of Jacob's family, those all those brothers would become to represent the tribes of Israel. He actually ended up saving two nations. And ultimately, through that nation would come the Messiah, Christ. So so you could say, because Joseph was willing to move closer to others in his pain, he saved his family, he saved the nations, and he ultimately saved the world. All because he was willing to move closer to others. So what's your next step? Where do you, what do you need to do? What's, What's your next step to serve others? Is it reaching out to your spouse? Is it reaching out to your children? Is it reaching out to your church family and saying, I'm willing to serve? Yes, I have my pain, but I'm willing to serve. Well, at this time, I'm going to turn it over to Carolyn uh, just for a brief ministry moment as we come to the end of our service. Uh, just, we're, going to, we're going to just sing a song here in just one moment. And as we do that, I'm just going to actually just give a very uh, simple invitation just before we, we sing. And I just want you to sit here and just think about this, this two-prong invitation. First of all, as you've been listening tonight to this message, maybe you're saying, you know what, I need to move closer to God right now. Maybe for some of you, you're saying, you know, I just need to turn my life to Christ. For others of you, you're saying, you know what, I've drifted from God. I've been angry, I've been bitter, I've been, I've been frustrated. And I've allowed that anger and frustration just to cut me off from God. I'm just going to ask you, if you think you need to move closer to God right now, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Who needs to move? Okay, I see that hand. Yes, yes, yes. Anyone else? Yes. Okay. I'm going to pray for you, but I'm also going to give a second question. In your pain, who have you moved away from? Do you need to move closer to someone right now in your life where you're saying, I I need to get back, I gotta move closer to people. I gotta show love to them. I gotta be willing to share my emotions. I gotta be willing to share who I really am. I gotta stop doing this. I gotta start doing this. You know, if right now you're saying, you know, Dave, pray for me because I know I need to move closer to someone right now. And it's going to, it scares me because it means I've got to be vulnerable. I've got to open up. I've got to be willing to have the comfort that you've given me now. I need to be willing to share that comfort with others. If you want me to pray for you right now, to say, Give, Dave, help me to move closer to others right now. Raise your hand. Anyone? Yes. Yes. 
Yes. Yes. Yes. Let's pray. Lord, oh, help us not to waste our pain. Help us, Lord, first of all, to not let that pain become a wall between us and you. But Lord, help us to move closer to you, that we need to depend upon you. We need to know your comfort. We need to know your hope in Christ. Lord, we need to have the Holy Spirit really take up residence in our life in a way so that the very character of Christ will flow through us. Oh Lord, help us move closer to you. And I pray for all the people who've raised their hands in particular. Lord, I also pray for those who raise their hands and say, I need to move closer to others. Lord, we confess to you that often in our pain, we just cut other people out. We just get distant. We just keep, we hide ourselves away. We put a, we put a block of walls around us. But Lord, you call us to love. Lord, help us to see that we need to be like a Joseph where we are our friend. So now, Lord, we simply just ask and pray again for those who raise their hands that you will help them have the courage to take that next step to show love, to be vulnerable, to take the risk, and to be a friend to others. And Lord, who knows what, what difference they'll make and who they'll save. And we pray this in Christ's name. My hope is built on nothing less than your great love and righteousness. I will not walk another way. I trust your heart. I trust your name. Let's stand and sing that together.